inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thank you for joining to this episode today. Today we're having to discuss a topic we haven't talked before at all. And, and it's quite common, actually, because if you go to a convention, a conference, it's often that besides the talk, presentations, the keynotes, there will be some panel discussions. And for that, there are excellent techniques, what, how to do, how to moderate a great panel discussion. For, for that, we have a really expert in the topic. Let me introduce you my special guest today, Christine Arnold. She is a high-stakes meeting facilitator professional panel moderator, teamwork trainer, and keynote speaker. Christine has worked with thousands of senior executives, project managers, and team leaders in North America, challenging their traditional notions about teamwork. Christine is the author of several books, including Powerful Panels, a step-by-step -step guide to moderating lively and informative panel discussions at meetings, conferences, and conventions, and Boring to Bravo, Proven presentation techniques to engage, involve, and inspire your audiences to action. Christine divides her time between Scottsdale, Arizona, and Prince Edward Island, Canada. Hello, Christine. Hello, Oscar. And I'm coming to you from PEI Canada right now. <laughs> awesome. It's a, it's a pleasure having you here in the show. Could you start telling us how your career as a speaker and also as a professional panel moderator, how everything started? Well, gosh, um, there's actually quite a few stories in there, but I started as a professional facilitator mm -hmm. uh, back in uh, 1993. I had been working in the Coast Guard and uh, we started doing something called TQM, Total Quality Management. Mm -hmm. Um, and they all looked at me and said, that's kind of your natural managerial style. So why don't you go get a lot of training on facilitation, which actually it was training on how to do TQM training and not facilitation. So I ended up reading all three books that were available at that time and put together a little training for my fellow Coasties. And somebody asked me to do it on the outside and they said, and we'll pay you too. And I went, hmm. Oh my gosh, that sounds really cool. So I moonlighted for about a year working for the Coast Guard and for my own company um, and then went out on my own, um, stayed in the reserve. So uh, when I hit 60, I will have an itty bitty little pension. So that makes me feel happy. Um, so I did that for a while. And then a couple of years ago, I was facilitating a breakout session at a very, very high level executive summit. And um, it was at the Ford Motor Company. So Alan Mulally, the CEO, was speaking at lunchtime. <clears throat> and so they started the whole conference with two really, really horrible panels. So Oscar, these, mm. these were so bad, I wanted to put things <laughs> in my eyeballs. Um, and we've all sat through them before, but they were two back to back and it was really high level. And it was like, oh my gosh, if I and I've been moderating panels for years, but I was thinking, you know, if I wanted to provide some advice and counsel to this organization about how to do this better, what resources would I send them to? So I, of course, I went online. I mean, where else do you go these days? 
And uh, there really wasn't anything. And I decided at that point, I would just try to provide good resources for people who are moderating panels. And that's my story. You know, I started that about two and a half, three years ago. And and uh, so we've got some really great resources out there um, that I'm very quite proud of. Awesome, awesome. So a big part of your motivation went by attending really terrible panel discussions. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I want to make a difference in the world. I mm. think all of us at a certain point, uh, you know, we, we want to make a difference. And uh, so in 2014, I did a survey of 538 executives and meeting professionals and asked them about the state of panels. And unfortunately, it's a 50-50 crapshoot whether you're going to have a good panel or not. Mm. Um, the statistics are that people um, don't have high expectations of panels. And um, I think that, that that ratio is really, really bad. And mm. I think that we can do something about that. So um, thank you, Oscar, for helping raise the level of awareness and understanding about what makes a panel great. Yeah, it's, it's very, very important. And 50% is, of course, a lot. It's too much. Yeah, even though uh, people don't uh, don't pay attention, don't come. Often you don't come to a conference because of a panel discussion, but often you are there, and a couple of the names of the panelists are really good. You you are attracted to go there, and in many occasions, as you say, even a fifty percent of them, uh, the the quality is, is is bad, unfortunately. So, could you now to to make things more clear for everybody? Could, could you tell us in your words what a panel discussion is? A panel discussion could be on the main stage. It could be a breakout. It could be an informal um, session, but it's when you bring uh, two or more experts together to have, I'll put an adjective in there, a lively conversation about mm -hmm. a specific topic that is of interest to the audience. A lively conversation. That's a, <laughs> that's a key word, as you, as you said, it is. So yeah. You know, there's an interesting uh, little anecdote here is mm -hmm. Murray Overstreet, who's an American educator. He's one of the first people who uh, really popularized panels. Um, back in 19, the 1930s, he wrote an article for the Journal of Nurses or something. I can't remember the specific journal. Um, but in there, he kind of described what a panel conversation mm -hmm. should look like. And he said, at no time should anyone rise to give a speech that would be a capital offense. And yet I see all kinds of panels that start with, you know, 40 minutes of the panelists blathering about their position. And then that leaves absolutely no time for audience Q&A. And, you know, I think audiences want to be more um, engaged and they want to be more involved in, in the sessions that they're attending And so panels are not meant to be like mini presentations and then a little bit of ping pong back and forth with the moderator and the panelists. It should be something that's spontaneous mm -hmm. and um, something that you can't find on YouTube, kind of a behind the scenes. I call it the Wizard of Oz moment. You know, I want, I want to see what's going on behind the curtain. I want real conversation between thought leaders, practitioners, subject matter experts, people who can give insight um, to a specific topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. It's because it's a unique opportunity for a um, conversation, as you say, and not only by the, by the guests and I mean, the panelists and the, 
the moderator, but also the opportunity for the audience to to participate with this. It's great with some questions. Mm -hmm. And if you could tell us the what are the main rules of a um, successful or effective panel discussion, what would you say? Um, I would say the success of a panel is completely dependent on the meeting organizer and the panel moderator getting together and really thinking about what the purpose of the panel is, um, identifying a great format, figuring out how they're going to involve the audience, um, picking a topic that is of interest to the audience. I think, I think what happens for most panel organizers is it's a very lazy format. So they pick, you know, they pick a topic that they think might be of interest. Um, they then consider who the panelist should be. Maybe it might be somebody who needs some ear time. Maybe it's a sponsor. Maybe it's a, you know, throw a dog a bone yeah. kind of thing. They get uh, a moderator that they are not, they haven't even checked out. Like they'll check out their, their main stage speaker, their keynoter, mm -hmm. watch videos. They'll get testimonials. Yeah. They'll get references. Exactly. But a panel moderator, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll get, we'll get Kristen. We'll get Oscar. We'll get Joe Blow. We have no idea if they're any good or not. And then we expect magic to happen. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say the, the, the success is in making very good choices up front about your topic, getting a really skilled facilitator who will moderate the panel, getting great panelists, and using a really effective format. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting what you say because you... And I haven't thought like that, that you, you start with the uh, organizing. So also the meeting planner involved there, uh, creating how it should be. And of course, the picking the right moderator and this person has to be, of course, prepared. That's, that's, that's pretty obvious, which for some people is not, but, uh, <laughs> this is the person who's going to be the biggest part of the job. No, in real, it will be the, the, the panelist. Yeah. So Oscar, you can have really brilliant panelists. And if your moderator doesn't do a good job, it's still going to flop. You can have a brilliant moderator and so-so panelists, but that moderator will make the panelists look brilliant mm. and the panel will go great. So a lot of the success hinges on the, the moderator. So pick that moderator really, really carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something that uh, it's, uh, we all have to learn because we might have to be uh, ad hoc uh, panel moderator, for instance. And yeah, it's, it's good to know what, what are the best practices, of course. And you can tell me, for instance, common mistake that happens so we can also see how prevent that. What, what are the common mistakes that happen from the point of view of the panel moderator? So I think one of the things that gets panel moderators into trouble is they show up and they don't really put enough thought into it, but we've already covered that. So I'll, I'll go into a different mistake is one is that they think that they're a panelist. Oh. So they're contributing their ideas. They're contributing their opinion. And before you know it, they're um, not keeping everybody on track. They get off time. They do some shameless promotion, I mean, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that get involved when when moderators become part of the panel in that they're offering ideas and suggestions. I think moderators are 
I mean, we typically pick a moderator who's knowledgeable about the topic. Um, but with that comes some danger in that that moderator can then get sucked into the conversation and not realize when they need to pull it out or um, mm-hmm. they're friends with the panelists. And so they don't know how to, how to very gracefully, but quickly intervene. And so I think it's really important that uh, a moderator knows how to moderate and objectively ask really good probing questions, um, but also not get sucked into the drama of the, of the panel. So not, not becoming one of the panelists. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what else, for instance, So another mistake that uh, a moderator uh, might do is not being able to intervene. Um, so let's say you've got somebody who um, is going, you know, on and on and on, mm -hmm. and they don't, they don't know how to cut that person yeah. off. Um, and, and this is different for every moderator. Some people are very abrasive um, because that's who they are and they can <laughs> get away with it. Um, I am not necessarily, but I, I do um, have a method that I can sneak in when somebody's, you know, taking a breath or, um, you know, you use kind of classroom management skills. Um, and I'm usually out in the audience. I do not tie myself to a lectern and I do not sit in a chair. So I'm usually out in the audience. So the panelists are talking to the audience and not necessarily to the, to the moderator. Um, so I, I, I think that's one of the things that, uh, that you can guard against um, and just know, know how to intervene really well. Um, the other thing that I think um, moderators do that is a common mistake is to just do a traditional panel format. So if I walk into a room and I see a, a long draped white table with little microphone stands and a lectern to the side, I know that I'm in for a boring panel. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just know that that's what's going to happen because You know, people are seated in the chairs and the table is literally a barrier between yes. us and the audience. Yes. And I know that I'm just going to get the standard. There's going to be introductions. There's going to be a few words from each of the panelists. Then there's going to be panel um, moderated discussions, curated discussions by the moderator. Then there's might be, if they have enough time, Q&A and then a wrap up. And that's very, very traditional. And I think that that's just ho-hum boring, Oscar. I think we can do better than that. Um, I, there are so many different formats out there. Um, and a lot of them are replicated off of television shows, mm -hmm. other, you know, talk shows that you can really get creative and fun and inspirational. Um, I love using technology tools to help the crowd actually crowdsource which questions they want to ask. Um, so I think that there's a lot of different, uh, different ways that you can do it. And, and, um, I think moderators, the biggest pitfall is if they don't even think about how to be creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting point that you mentioned that not to stick to so traditional formats or even the format that maybe the, the conference organizer had thought. You can still put your own style to make it more, more lively. Well, and I think part of it is the panel organizer hasn't even thought about it. So that's mm. why it's really a collaboration between the panel moderator and the, and the, the organizer is to say, Hey, you know, would you like this? I mean, because some of them don't really want it to be 
you know, if you're, if you're uh, got a pretty stuffy uh, meeting or conference, maybe they don't want originality and creativity. So, uh, you know, you really have to work in concert with the, mm-hmm. with the organizer and say, so, you know, what are your ideas? What are the, what's the theme mm-hmm. tie into the theme um, about, you know, who's going to be in the audience? Like if it's a bunch of boomers, you know, we're much more <laughs> like, you know, we're compliant. Whereas I think, and I'm just generalizing, but I think the millennials won't really want to sit behind a, a traditional panel format. They're going to want to be part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing you mentioned a bit earlier is that, for instance, you often, your position in in the panel discussion, you go, you come to the audience, that's what you say, right? Because in, I, the, the ones that come to my mind is that either you can be standing very near to the to the guest, to the panelist, you can be sitting down, you can be sitting down in one side, you can be sitting down in the middle, but you say your, your preferred approach is to be in front of them, in the audience. Right, right. Kind of like a talk show. Uh, back in the day, I remember Phil Donahue, um, and he, he really pioneered the let's get out in the audience kind mm-hmm. of approach that you see many talk show hosts since that. I mean, that was back in the 1960s, I think. And he really, he really pioneered coming out from the stage and working with the audience. And now, and now when you look at, at talk shows, I think internationally, uh, a lot of the talk show hosts are work in the room and that just makes it much more interesting for the audience. Mm-hmm. And now maybe you could uh, give some examples, either um, more specific example, like uh, people who are uh, effective panel moderators, or or if you know in some some conference, some special events that they traditionally do in a way that um, you would like to give us a, as a good example. Could you? Could you yeah. Talk? So so here's an example of uh, Scott McCain who's a U.S.-based speaker, he speaks on uh, distinction mm-hmm. um, in, in the marketplace. And uh, he did a conference um, for the National Speakers Association where I had asked him if he would moderate a panel of um, you know, three different experts. And he really liked um, Real Time with uh, Bill Maher, which is a U.S.-based uh, political TV commentary type panel show. And so he did a a mock-up of it where he did real time with Scott McCain and they all kind of sat in tables that were very similar. He put a logo behind him and, uh, and he, he, the format of the show was very similar. Um, And what, what I thought was great is that he gave people the liberty to be very creative. So for example, Sally Hogshead was on the panel and she has a great story about Jägermeister. Okay. And not only did she have a story prepared in her, in her own head, which I love panelists who actually come prepared, but she knew that she was talking about, uh, you know, how to be distinctive. So that's why Scott was asked to be the moderator. She brought out a bottle of Jägermeister, which frankly tastes like, you know, cough syrup, but <laughs> is, is a hugely successful, wildly successful drink, um, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the world. And so, you know, she's bringing that story to the table. She used to work for Jägermeister. Um, And not only did she have the bottle and clunked it on the table, but she put shot glasses Uh. and didn't didn't tell the panelists. But, you know, so the 
the the audience is just watching this going, whoa, check that out. <laughs> and, you know, and we're all like going, are they going to do the shots? Are they going to do the shots? And so they did. Oh. Um, and, you know, the meeting organizer was not blindsided by this. So she did give the meeting organizer a heads up. She did not give the panel moderator a heads up, which was interesting. And it went over great because of the format and the freedom that the moderator had given um, the panelists to really express um, their key point. So one of the things that I really appreciate about moderators is that they are very clear with the panelists that they need to come prepared. Now, I do not suggest, you know, working with them, uh, you know, with a lot of work because then now when it comes to the panel, it just feels like warmed up leftovers. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, as I was saying with you, Scott, you know, it's like, whoa, you already had this panel before you even came to the came to the audience. So there's a real danger of over preparing your panelists, um, but you really need to give them the freedom to uh, come knowing uh, three points and a story that illuminates those three points. That's what I recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I understand it's important some some preparation for for the for the for the panelists. And coming to that, actually, what happens if if you are invited as a panelist as a guest? Um, if I am invited, how should I prepare myself? Well, I I would make sure that you're very clear about what the objectives are of the panel. So you need because. It, Sometimes the panel just gets way off track. I was actually on a panel in um, in England. I think we were in London. I can't even remember what city we were in. Um, but I was actually on a panel, and we were supposed to be talking about the future of professional speaking. And the Bubba boys around me were just having a great chit-chat, but we weren't anywhere near to the topic. Mm. Um, and so I kind of looked at the panel moderator and I said, you know, I came prepared. I've got some notes here on some index cards. Would anybody be interested in hearing what I have to say? Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and like the whole audience just about erupted in like applause because we were, we were just spinning our wheels and it's like, you know, I, I thought we were going to be talking about the future of professional speaking. So I, I think for, as a panelist, you need to come prepared about the topic know what three points you really want to get across mm. and have a story because I think people really remember stories more than your point. Um, and maybe if you can make your point kind of tweetable, I think that's mm-hmm. really helpful for people to remember. And the other thing that I would do is I would research your other panelists, like who are, who's going to be on the stage with you so that you know what you have in common with them, but also what you don't have in common, what you disagree about, because Nothing's more like milk toast than a bunch of panelists going, oh, and, and I agree with what you're saying, mm-hmm. Oscar. Uh-huh. And I agree. And then they just repeat what you just said. I mean, that's, that's boring. So uh-huh. you want to make sure that there's some contention, some uh, controversy, and hopefully your moderator has done a good job in setting that up. Um, but you want you want to just do a little research about the other panelists and and what the audience really wants to know. So you need to make sure that you're delivering the promise in the marketing materials to the audience and really kind of get in their heads about what it is that they want to know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I understand. As I told you, sometimes you are in a conference, 
you check the agenda and this panel discussion sounds interesting you have some expectation you go there and you get disappointed because can be also because of the of the panelists they didn't uh, say something interesting so what's great piece about what you you said for instance uh, telling stories now you can have of course short stories because there's not too much time for that for long stories your story is, you also said that some of your phrase can be tweetable it's also a great tip yeah and of course yeah. as you mentioned to you can do some research about the other panelists so you can have different ideas or be prepared for some different point of view no because they can you might have to defend the opposite idea in, in some cases so it's, it's it's great to be prepared for that so wow, excellent piece of advice Christine, could you now tell us what is your favorite quotation Uh, you know, I've been using uh, Bob Pike, who is a, a master trainer on how to make your training more um, engaging and interactive. And he, he said something a, a long time ago. It said, never do for your audience what they can do for themselves. Mm. So you can, you can apply that to you know, any kind of situation. Uh, never do for your kids what they should, they can do for themselves. Never do for your spouse what they can do for themselves. Never do for your uh, employees what they can do for themselves. I mean, I think, I think when people are more engaged, they are more committed to the outcome. When you tell them what to do, mm. you get compliance, um, but it's not, it's, it doesn't have as uh, long of a shelf life. And so I think, especially when you're, when you're looking at moderating a panel, um, I, I think sometimes panel moderators just work too hard. Um, I think the, the, the work is actual in the planning and the more you can get the audience engaged and involved up front, uh, um, the more people will be committed to the panel's success. Mm -hmm. So don't, Don't tell the audience what to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Could you now recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? So I know this is an oldie, oldie moldy, but you know, it's, it's just, um, it's evergreen. It's withstood the test of time. If you want to be a really good moderator or facilitator or just a really good team player, um, I recommend Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a great read even for a panel moderator <laughs> even for a panel moderator I, I, I think you know one of the um, one of the tenets is to seek first um, seek first to understand then to be understood and I think one of the, the key um, skills is about understanding where other people what other people are saying where they're coming from And being able to synthesize the conversation so that you can make transitions and linkages to the next piece. So, um, you know, it should flow. The, the conversation should flow comfortably and not awkwardly. And I think that a good panel moderator really has got a good uh, listening muscle and is mm -hmm. able to understand what other people are saying without Um, imposing their own judgment first, you know, like you might say, uh, you know, something, and then I interpret it completely different. Oh yes. 
I, I need to be really good at stepping into your frame of reference to understand and then, and then try to illuminate other people's frame of references, but not necessarily show my own biases. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like his book. Yeah, excellent point. And thanks for making the reference to this very classic book, but applies to panel moderators and I think for everybody. It's just a good, be a good person book. <laughs> Christine, could you now share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend doing it daily or weekly as a routine to shine? So, um, uh, you know, I, I think just every morning be grateful You know, I, I figure any day above ground's a good day. So why not start with a smile on your face? And even if you're not feeling that good, fake it. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you start smiling, other people will smile around yeah. you. And, and it's the mirror effect. When you see other people smiling, then you start smiling. Um, and and the, the, the co-principle uh, that I, uh, I kind of bundle with this one is also to assume positive intent. Like, I think that every person really wants to be a good person. They want to come to work doing a good job. They, they want to be a good friend. They want to be a good whatever. And, and, and however they're showing up, we read between the lines and probably think the worst possible case. And so, um, Oscar, I like to, whenever I'm, I'm facing somebody who I just kind of go, hmm, check that out. I, I just try to assume something positive, like, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day or, mm. you know, maybe the reason why they cut me off in traffic is they're trying to get to the hospital because yeah. you know, something's wrong. Mm. I mean, because it's our, it's not necessarily what other people are doing to us. It's our choice about it. And I, I just want to have a healthy, happy life. And if I let people make me miserable, then all I'm going to do is get sick and get ulcers and, you know, peptides boiling in my stomach. So I, I just decide to assume positive intent and have a great, great day. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you. And yeah, it's, it's, you have to start a day like that with, with a smile and with a, with a right thought on your mind. Exactly. And, and, you know, look at, look at your day. And, and I, I love the notion about I get to go to work versus I have to go to work. <laughs> so like I get to have an interview with Oscar Versus I have to have an interview with Oscar. I think it shades your entire perception about how you approach work and the things that you do on a daily basis. Yeah, the, the importance of, of words, how strong they are. <laughs> Christine, it has been a pleasure talking with you this uh, very interesting interview about panel discussions and well, all, the, all the things that you have told us really a lot, a lot to, to learn whether you are going to be the panel uh, moderator or the panelist, or even in the audience, or really enjoy everything. So thanks a lot. Could you finally tell us how we can learn more about you, follow you, and get more information about you? have, a, of course, much more information about this. Could you tell us? Well, certainly. Um, I have a website called PowerfulPanels.com, which is just chock full of um, ideas and suggestions. There's a seven part free video course that you can, you know, download that you can watch. So um, I, I just hope that people are inspired to make their panels more interesting. And then my main website is kristenarnold.com. And that's where you can find more information about facilitating in teams and, 
and what I do on uh, speaking and talking about critical thinking and business planning and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, now I remember I have watched a couple of your your videos, these short videos. Yeah, really excellent. Highly recommend to go in and check the the videos of Christine. Well, thank you uh, again, Christine. It was a pleasure talking with you and well, all the best. Thank you, Oscar. All the best to you too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 